Georgia Simmons, the founder of Greedy Vegan, and welcome back to another episode of Catch-Ups in My Kitchen. This podcast is about all things food, plant-based food, non-plant-based food, and everything in between. This podcast aims to discover people's food journeys and stories, because whether you are a professional in sport, work in beauty, or the food industry itself, everyone's got a story to tell. This podcast means so much to me and Greedy Vegan, so if you do enjoy this episode, please, please like, share and subscribe. I hope you're hungry as there is a lot cooking in this conversation. This week I'm joined by George, the founder of Daily Dose, where we talk all things juice, juice cleanses and what goes into making a cold-pressed juice. George started the Daily Dose journey in 2016 straight out of uni and he now operates the largest cold press juice pressery in the UK. I was so fascinated to hear all that goes into the process and also what is to come. Without further ado, let's meet George. So I'm here with George from Daily Dose to talk all about juice, the Daily Dose dose journey. So I'm very excited about this. But before we start, do you mind giving me a quick 30 second elevator pitch about who you are and what you do? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm George, uh, founder of Daily Dose. Started Daily Dose, uh, which is a cold press juice company in 2016. Been running it now for about six and a half years. Um, Started making juices in my mum's kitchen uh, in South London, um, and now we've grown to be the largest cold-pressed juice manufacturer in the UK, um, selling juice up and down the UK um, and further afield. Amazing. Yeah. Wow, 2016. Like, I just remember <laughs> seeing Daily Dose everywhere in cafes for so long. Like, it's not actually that long ago, and like, so much has happened in that time. Yeah, no, it's gone super, super fast. Um, sort of, yeah, looking back, it feels like just yesterday we were making juice on small uh, domestic juices. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's weird no, now. Amazing. Well, we'll go into all of that in more detail in a minute. But before we do, I have some quick fire questions for you all about food. Go for it. So, sweet or savoury? Uh, savoury. Juicy burger or overloaded salad? Ooh, um, depending on mood, uh, maybe a really good Caesar salad. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one, actually. That's a good one. Ice cream or sorbet? Sorbet. Crisps or popcorn? Popcorn, but warm in the cinema. Okay, yeah, it's a massive difference, isn't it? Yeah. So true. <laughs> Cook in or eat out? Uh, eat out. And favourite delivery? Oh, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, also, situation dependent. Um, there's a very good Turkish restaurant near where I live called Pashmangal, based in Balham. Very nice. Oh, yeah. that is nice. Turkish food's really good, yeah, actually. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah. Okay, good one. So, going back to the daily, do- daily dose, even, <laughs> journey. So, am I right in saying that before daily dose, you kind of had a passion for health and fitness, and that's kind of how it started? Yes. So, um, after leaving school, um, lost a load of weight, so I was... About 20 stone after school, um, super overweight, super unhealthy, 
went to uni, um, met, met some mates who were sort of into fitness, started going to the gym daily, running loads, um, then decided to do a marathon, do a half Ironman, so really got into my fitness, um, and then started sort of, as part of that, looking at my diet um, and incorporating juices into my diet. It's a good way to get more fruit and veg into, my, um, into myself. Um, yeah, so after, after university, decided that I wanted to do something in that space, um, which is where the, the idea for Daily Dose came. Amazing. So you basically had a massive lifestyle switch. Yes. And then you're like, and then juices kind of came into that. So talk about how juices came into that. Did you have a juicer and were you juicing yourself or yeah, how was the initial like stage? Yeah. So at the start, um, was sort of looking for, um, something like healthy on the go we can grab from the shop and there wasn't really much available in the shop. So, um, Brands like Naked, Innocent, um, then sort of when you look at back of pack are full of sugar and yeah. probably about 80% of your daily uh, recommended sugar intake. So after that started juicing myself, so uh, initially just with a um, Nutribullet uh, making juices and smoothies, but then sort of controlling what was going into them mm-hmm. um, and then started developing recipes and um, creating flavours which um, which I liked and then uh, <laughs> I hope that other people like too. Yeah. So it's really interesting, actually, when you mentioned that your diet was changing and then juice kind of came into that, because I've had someone else on the podcast before saying like a really good way of getting loads of vegetables and fruit into your diet without realizing they're getting into your diet is through juices. Yeah, 100%. So you can fit like a kilo of produce in a glass of a glass of juice. So um, if you look at a kilo of produce, it's a huge amount of produce. Um, and try and sort of sit down and eat through that um, would take, take a little while. Yeah. Um, but if you take it in juice form then um yeah it's a, a quick convenient drink yeah definitely so you were at uni and what were you doing at uni what were you studying like which uni were you at yeah so i was at nottingham uh studying politics um which hasn't been probably massively helpful for uh, my juicing career um so i initially wanted to do something in probably something in politics um then went to university, quickly decided I didn't want to do something in politics or sort of the corporate world. Uh, and then, um, yeah, and then switched over to, to looking to do something myself. Okay, amazing. So you started making the juice in your mum's kitchen. Yes. How was that? <laughs> so initially, um, well, initially we were going to, so initially was going to start a restaurant. So okay. it's going to start a uh, macros oriented restaurant. So looking at uh, proteins, fats and carbs. Um, then started doing some research and realised how much money it takes to start a restaurant <laughs> and quickly decided we would focus on the drinks menu. So um, bought a domestic juicer, a um, juicer called the Norwalk, which is sort of the gold standard for domestic juicers. They're made in America. They're um, quite expensive. So born on eBay um, and um, yeah, turned up and no idea how to use it, what I was doing with it um, and plugged it in uh, at home after uni, moved back in uh, with my parents and um, started playing around recipes and then basically just announced to my parents that I was going to turn their kitchen into a, uh, a small juice production unit, wow. um, which lasted about, I think we were in the, I was in there for about three months before they kicked me out um, <laughs> and uh, beat you all over the ceiling, sort of like when the bag, when you, you put the, the juice in these bags and squeeze them and when the bags explode, the pulp goes absolutely everywhere. So it literally splatters the whole room. Um, oh no. So um, yeah, after we were kicked out, it was put onto the, the driveway. So I bought a little donut van. I don't know if you've been to like a funfair car boot sale kind of thing. We used to mm-hmm. little like donut vans. Bought one of those off eBay as well. Um, got someone to drop it onto the driveway and then set up a, a small production unit on the driveway. And that was during the winter, so was making juice um, in the freezing cold on the driveway for about three to six more months before we sort of found somewhere more permanent. Wow, I mean, that is amazing. And 
So when you're like in your van making these juices yeah. in the cold, yeah. what was going through your mind? Like, were you, did you have this vision of where you wanted it to go? Or were you like, I'm just really passionate about juice right now. I'm just going to see where, like, what happens. Yeah, I think the latter. So um, didn't really have like too much foresight in terms of what we were doing. We were just really happy that we were making a product and someone was buying it. So initially it was just how, you know, how, how far can we take it? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, just buzzed about the fact that people were, um, people were buying drinks and re- sort of placing repeat orders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, just basically just the goal to keep growing it, but no sort of end goal at that stage in mind as to, to where it was going to end up. Okay, and you keep saying we. Is that yeah. the kind of we as in me, but others were supporting me? Or is it we, I was in there with some, like someone else was with you? Yeah, so initially right at the start, a mate from uni uh, was doing it with me. So okay. for the first six to eight months or so, it was me and a mate. Uh, so we, it was a sort of a, a team mentality. We were both making it together. Um, he was living at my parents' house as well. So he was... Um, from up in Warwickshire um, so at the start we were both doing it and then he decided like it wasn't for him wasn't the direction he wanted to go in terms of his career so um, he he stepped away and then it was just me okay. uh, so at the start it was sort of team mentality let's do it together so we'd like at this point we were going to the Newcom Garden Market at night time so just around the corner from where we are now there's a, a night market which the wholesalers picking up the fruits um, they're open from about one in the morning then uh, dropping it home, making all the juice from about five in the morning up until like th- two, three in the afternoon, then delivering it and then repeating again. So it was sort of like, yeah. Wow, around the clock. <laughs> around the clock operation, Amazing. Yeah. And I quickly want to touch on the name. So yeah. how quickly did the name Daily Dose come into the process of starting it? And yeah. why did you pick the name Daily Dose? Um, I can't remember when the name initially came from. I think it was just an idea about, around the idea of, trying to get more into your daily diet um, mm. and daily dose seemed like a sort of fitting um, a fitting name for the product mm. um, looking at sort of other there weren't, around that, that time there weren't many other cold pressed juice brands it's sort of one or two um, and they had quite simple names um, so we thought it was quite a simple way to explain to the customer that this is a, a healthy juice um, and yeah a good a good way to uh, include more fruit and veg into your daily diet yeah definitely and so, obviously, you finished uni, you're now, like, starting on the Daily Dose journey. Yeah. How did it feel when a lot of your other friends were kind of maybe doing more corporate jobs and then you were kind of going on this solo journey? How was that feeling? Um, I think I didn't really focus on it at the time because I was so sort of head in the sand for, like, 24-7, didn't have any time to think about anything else that was going on around me. Um, a lot of them so I went straight to uni didn't take it up yet so a lot of them were still at uni right at the start um, but yeah I think I was oblivious to what was going on around me literally just focused on making juice uh, yeah. didn't have any time to sort of see what see what everyone else was doing yeah no that's probably the best way because I think sometimes if you overthink it too much or start looking at what they're doing you're like oh is this the right decision for me or am yeah, I missing exactly. out yeah exactly you can sort else? of doubt it um, when yeah they're sort of making work colleague friends and I'm there by myself sort of making juice um, yeah. but yeah at the time was content working yeah. around the clock making juice so yeah. didn't really look outside no that's that's probably the best way to be and I also want to touch on food sustainability because obviously a huge part of daily dose is using the wonky vegetables or like second grade fruit and vegetables yeah so 
talk about how that kind of came into the process because obviously at the start you were just juicing fruit and vegetables that you kind of bought in the supermarket but then yeah. how did you get into finding these other second grade fruit and vegetables yeah so I mean initially I was completely oblivious, oblivious to sort of the whole situation so initially right at the start we were buying fruit and veg from Sainsbury's that's where we first started because I didn't even know what Newcombe Garden was didn't know any farmers didn't know um, how to even get in touch with the farmer um, and then we moved to Newcombe Garden Market and started talking to them about second grade fruits um, and stuff that they were throwing away and saw sort of the huge piles of fruit and veg which were going into into waste. Um, then sort of dug a little bit deeper and started speaking to farmers and finding out that they had huge, huge quantities of fruit and veg. So like 30 to 40% of what they were growing wasn't making it onto supermarket shelves and it was perfectly good produce. Um, you know, the classic sort of pictures of wonky cucumbers you've seen and... Mm. Um, carrots which are too large too small um and it's particularly bad with berries so berries are like hand-picked so um if you don't pick them correctly they're really, really easily bruised so oh, wow. if they're bruised supermarkets won't buy them um so we spoke to one grower who was uh incinerating all of their waste berries so literally burning them in piles because it was cheaper to burn them than it was to transport them anywhere else and do anything else with them oh, gosh. um so yeah that sort of um lit something up inside me and I was like okay we need to try and do something about this I think that's where the vision in terms of okay let's see how big we can grow this and see how much fruit and veg we can use mm. um, and then we looked at the other end of what happened what's happened to our food waste because we don't want to sort of be part of the problem juicing all the fruit having this huge amount of waste so when you juice fruit well when you cold press fruit and veg um, you basically squeeze it take all the juice out of it and then you're left, uh, left with what's called a cake but essentially it's just, um, dry fibrous matter um, so at the start we were working with a farmer who was feeding it to livestock um, and then more recently since we've moved up to our factory in Cambridge we work with a local anabolic digester so they take the um, take the waste and turn it into biofuel um, which is really cool we can track how much electricity we're creating um, they also create bio fertilizer which they use to create uh, bread so we can track sort of how many loads of bread we've made from our waste um, wow. how many households we've um, created energy for so I think in the last couple of months we've created 33,000 loaves of bread and fueled 20 um, houses for the whole year in terms of electricity consumption. That is amazing. That is so, so crazy. And I don't even know where to begin with all this because I did actually <laughs> research this and I was like, how is this even possible? Because I do know a lot of companies that kind of get the pulp and make it into like energy bites and stuff. That's one yeah. thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, I get that. But bread and like feeding it to like cattle and stuff. And that's just, that is really amazing. So how... Did you find out about that? Did someone tell you or were you kind of researching when you realised about the sustainability? Were you kind of just following the trail all the way through? Yeah, so uh, sort of partly research, partly sort of stumbling upon it. Um, I think at the start, um, the farmer who we initially worked with happened to be on a business estate and saw that we were chucking the waste away. and was like, okay, well, we could use this for um, animal feed. So build a relationship with him and started supplying him. Then when we moved up to the site... Um, the previous tenants at the factory were working with an anabolic digester, so uh, spoke to them, found out sort of what the process was, um, whether our waste material was any good for anabolic digestion, because it needs to be of a certain type um, to, to work with the process, and luckily ours does. Um, so yeah, sort of learned along the way on the journey, and our plan for the future is to install... Um, a mobile anabolic digestion uh, plant on our site so we can feed the electricity directly back into the factory because the moment it goes into the grid 
Um, but the idea is that we'll be able to create our own energy on site and be fully self-sufficient in terms of energy consumption. That would be so cool. Yeah. yeah that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really cool. And I want to touch on, so there's quite a few other companies that also use wonky fruit and vegetables, yeah. like Dash, Chickpea, and obviously Oddbox and deliver it around yeah. people's houses. So how, I know you mentioned like there's 40% of the fruit and veg people grow. So that must be a lot, but everyone also to be, well, not everyone, but other companies to also be using this, these fruit and vegetables. That kind of shows just the amount of scale yeah. of the amount of fruit and vegetable that is wonky and not right. Because, I mean, can you just highlight how much fruit and vegetables you as a company personally go through? Yeah, sure. So um, in terms of kilos of produce, uh, probably something like um, 30, 50 tons a week. Um, wow. So... Uh, maybe, maybe slightly more. I don't, That's yeah, I don't crazy. think it's in my head. But yeah, a lot. So. That is a lot. Yeah, I think I worked. We worked out in the last month. We've used on like four million strawberries. That's <laughs> just mad. Yeah. So between you and the other companies that are also helping to combat this, is it making a huge dent to what we? No, so it's still tiny, tiny volumes. So really? Yeah, like across the board, you look at all the startups who are trying to do something about the wonky produce. It's still sort of not really making a dent. I think there needs to be more sort of consumer awareness around the issue and for the, the big guys, the supermarkets, Tesco, Sainsbury's, etc., okay. um, to, to help with that educational piece and to try and um, incorporate so not so not as aesthetically pleasing uh, produce into their um, yeah. into their shells. That's really interesting because I was thinking, okay, come on, like how many wonky carrots can there be? But clearly, uh, yeah, yeah, there's just so many that like even all these companies that are trying, there's still lots to be done. Yeah. So yeah, that is that is really really interesting. And so the pulp, so basically the whole thing is completely self sufficient, nearly from getting it sustainably, producing it, and then even the rest is completely yeah, sustainable. Produced. What about the packaging? Have you guys, obviously it's in like a plastic bottle, but is that, yeah. have you worked on the kind of sustainability of that plastic? Yeah, so um, we moved uh, a few years ago from uh, PET, so version PET, which is a sort of new plastic, to RPT, so plastic that's made from recycled plastic. Um, and we did quite a lot of work around looking at sort of what, what type of packaging we wanted to use and what was the most sustainable packaging. And there's lots of arguments for both sides, you know, glass and plastic. Um, we decided part of our process is something called HPP, which is high pressure processing. So that's the way in which we extend the shelf life of the product. So juice traditionally is pasteurized, which means it's heated up, kills all the products. And that's what we describe as a dead product. So there's basically nothing living in the product. So your Tropicana's, your Capella's, those sort of, those sort of products, um, and your sort of Tetra Pak juices that you get on the shelf, like Ocean Spray, for example. Um, mm-hmm. We use HPP, which is a chamber you put the finished product into and then the chamber is filled with water and the pressure in the chambers increased to 6,000 bars which is a huge amount of pressure it's about eight times the deepest part of the ocean in terms of the pressure um, and at that pressure it kills the bacteria or reduces the bacteria um, but doesn't heat the product up at any point so when the juice goes into the HPP machine it's not heated out uh, heated up and when it comes out of the HPP machine it tastes exactly the same as when it went in but the shelf has extended up to 15-20 times um, wow. and with that pressure it can't um, it can't with, uh, work with glass because it would smash the bottle so that limits the type of packaging you can use um, okay. so you'll see all cold press use brands who um, have a shelf life over sort of two three days we use plastic bottles um, and we sort of looked into sort of the glass plastic um, 
fight in terms yeah. of what's better um, and decided that even though we can't use uh, glass, we still think uh, recycled plastic is a better option in terms of the energy it takes to create the um, f- um, first products mm-hmm. and then the recyclability of the plastic um, and also the way in which our recycling system in the UK is set up and it can go straight back into the recycling stream. Um, and then sort of on the other side of the argument, glass, uh, the weight of transporting the product, the energy it takes to create glass um, and then to melt it down and create uh, uh, create more glass. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, as a consumer, I don't even find glass an attractive product to buy because obviously your sold, daily doses sold in lots of like uh, delis and cafes and it's kind of an on-the-go thing as well. And like I personally don't want to be carrying around a glass drink in my hand in case it it smashes yeah it's heavy it smashes um from like a food uh, safety point of view for us at the factory it's more of a risking shards of glass in the drink mm-hmm. um so yeah we yeah we we've gone down the plastic route they are and this is slightly technical they're creating a uh, hpp machine which will work with glass bottles so currently the, uh, the bottles go into the hpp machine and they're looking at creating an hpp machine which has sort of a bladder inside it where you'd hpp the juice and then attach a filling line to the hpp machine and then you could fill it into any type of packaging okay. um so potentially something to look at in the future but um yeah i think we think that it's the most convenient on the go option that definitely offer. definitely and i love the shape of your bottles as well like it's quite a unique yeah sort of a, that's like one of our sort of usb sort of a medicinal bottle so daily has a slightly medicinal sort of ring to it um and it's actually a um, cosmetic bottle, so it's a similar bottle to um, the one that Molten Brown used, so it sort of has connotations to health products um, and, yeah, hand cream, tan gel, shower gel, mm. that sort of stuff. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of it, but it's so true. Like, you feel good holding that bottle. Like, it's funny how consumer perceptions work. Like, you kind of feel, like healthy with that like you say a medicinal kind of shaped bottle so. yeah we, we spent a lot of time looking at different bottles and it's not the easiest bottle to to fill um and not the cheapest bottle to buy but it was quite important to us to have a bottle which sort of um people could recognize as our bottle shape mm-hmm. no definitely and i wanted to touch on the juice the juice in general so you mentioned a few other brands a minute ago yeah do you mind kind of explaining the difference between like concentrate non-concentrate and why daily dose is better for you than let's say tropicana yeah sure so um concentrate and non-concentrate are both pasteurized drinks so they've been heated up from normally sort of 72 degrees upwards um and which essentially kills the product concentrate has been boiled further to remove the water so concentrates normally used as ingredients so if you were having some sort of like orange squash product, it would be a concentrate. So essentially it's removing, like, it's creating like an ingredient out of the juice. Mm-hmm. Not from concentrate, it's essentially pasteurized juice, uh, often shelf stable. So it's an ambient product. So it's essentially completely dead, like nothing's living in the product. It can be left sort of on your countertop for a year and nothing's going to happen to it. Um, cold pressed juice is what we see as like a living product. So there's still good bacteria enzymes within the, within the product. Um, and when you take it out of the fridge, it should go off because it's a fresh product. Um, okay. So we, yeah, we create a product which goes off if you don't leave it in the fridge and then has a relatively short shelf life in comparison to NFC juices. So NFC juices can have shelf life up to two years, concentrates even longer. Um, so they don't have sort of huge nutritional benefits. No, I mean, it's actually quite crazy when you, you're going to have a juice and you think you're being really healthy when actually just sick to water if you're gonna have yeah, that. Exactly. it's probably not gonna be the, <laughs> yeah. yeah not that healthy for you and 
So on your website, I know you have a lot of uh, juice cleanses. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about, firstly, if people are listening and, who are like, and they're like, what? why would I do a juice cleanse? Like, that just sounds like I'm going to be so hungry. Yeah. Could you explain a bit about why juice cleanses are good for us um, and what they do to our bodies? Yeah, sure. So we see it as sort of hitting the reset button. So um, a lot of people do juice cleanses with us after they come out from holiday or they've had a really stressful period at work um, and they essentially just want to get a whole load of good nutrients inside their body. Uh, so it's a really good way to sort of reset your body. We don't really see it so much as like a diet. It's not intended for you to do long term and to lose weight it's more to to re-nourish and replenish the nutrients within your body um and on the hunger piece not well with our juice cleanses there's quite a lot of juice throughout the day so most people find that they actually don't get very hungry throughout the juice cleanse so if you're doing like a three-day cleanse by the end of it your sort of your body gets used to getting all of its nutrients from the juice um mm. so yeah most most of the feedback we get um and from my own experience is that you don't actually get that hungry d- yeah. during juice cleanse so it's sort of like a a short sharp interval in your diet as a sort of hitting the reset button that's yeah that's the way i okay. describe it yeah and you've got so many different varieties of juices i saw on the cleansers like you kind of have recommended which order like you'd have them in yeah can you kind of go through what types of juices you have and why you've got so many different varieties yeah, sure. So we got yeah, I've got quite a wide variety. So uh, we wanted to appeal to sort of as many people as, as possible. Um, when we first started, we had five or six flavors, and we essentially just kept adding flavors throughout the years. Um, so we started with one hard green, one sweet green, um, a carrot based one, a beetroot based one, um, and then sort of extended the range from there. Um, just because there are so many different combinations of varieties you can have as a company every week we produce over 120 different flavors of juice um, wow. so we have a lot of different varieties um just yeah there's there's so many different um raw ingredients you can use and combinations you can create yeah definitely um, yeah try and appeal to as many people as possible and i guess in terms of the juice cleanse then it's so good to get a diverse amount of different plants in your body and fruits because they all contain different nutrients so i guess yeah. in terms of hitting that reset button you will just definitely get all your different minerals and all the different vitamins because you're drinking a variety of different juices and therefore you're getting all of the yeah the variety yeah, exactly. that you need and we try and incorporate uh veg into as many juices as we can so obviously pure juice like orange juice and apple juice are fruit based but uh all the mixed juices we incorporate uh fruit and veg uh, fruit and veg into the juices to try and keep the sugar content low because there are you know worries about um fruit sugars uh, increasing the sugar content uh so some of our best sellers are Aro Fresco, which is carrot based, uh, our Rude, which is beetroot based, and Dolce Verde, which is cucumber and kale based. Um, mm-hmm. So we try and keep the, the veg content quite high um, to reduce the sugar level within the juices. Yeah, no, that's so good. That is so, so good. And I want to talk a bit about you personally, like your journey with it, because obviously you started it at such a young age. How have you found the journey yourself and how what the challenge has been and also but basically a three-part question and basically what have been like some of your biggest highlights yeah so um the journey has been relatively turbulent sort of up and down lots of highs and lows um it's gone quite quickly so it's quite hard to like look back and sort of conceptualize where we were two three four years ago um because you're always looking at the next goal and what's what's happening next um in terms of sort of lows and highs one of the highs would be buying the HPP machine. So there's only six HPP machines in the UK currently. Um, wow. So we've, we've got the sixth one. 
Um, and we're looking to install our seventh, or the seventh in the UK, which will be the largest HPP machine in the UK. Um, so that was quite a, a high. So when I first started the company, saw these huge machines, uh, sort of, uh, I think it was 56 tons, um, and sort of never imagined that we'd have one of those machines in our own factory. Um, so that was sort of a, a high point, I think. Mm. Um, also moving over from automated, fi- uh, sorry, so, uh, well, hand filling to automated filling took way, way too long. So for the first sort of three years, we were filling everything by hand. And now we've got automated filling lines, which was uh, quite a nice switch. So you can fill sort of 200 bottles an hour by hand. You can fill 10,000 an hour by uh, automated filling machine. So, wow. um, yeah, that was quite a big I can't big believe you were doing that all by hand. That yeah. yeah, that's a long... <laughs> yeah, that was one, one time with the family ships in. So we got a new... So we do um, daily labels and also private labels. We manufacture for other juice companies as well, under okay. their own brands. Um, so we got this private label contract right at the start. This was sort of very early doors and just around Christmas time. I remember bringing home a pallet of bottles and essentially getting everyone in the family to label by hand all the bottles. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> the fun they love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so, that is so, so good. And, <laughs> and in terms of doing it so young, have you found that you've just, because it's, you've been young, I mean, I'm also in the same position, so that's why yeah. I wanted to ask the question. Have you found you're learning so much, like fresh information and you're more of like a sponge because it's, all kind of new and exciting so you learn so much as you go or um yeah just to kind of talk about that yeah yeah 100 so i mean when i first started um yeah seven years ago so uh knew nothing about juice or the market i like drinking it and that was about it um and i think along along the way throughout the seven years i feel like I've become somewhat of a cold press juice expert um so 100 absorbing loads of information learning loads from like going to other factories seeing what they do looking at their processes to see how we can improve them um, I think the biggest areas are food hygiene. So I learned a lot about food hygiene. So mm-hmm. we got a customer who asked us to get BRC, which is sort of the highest level of food hygiene certification you can get. Um, so I had to learn all about that, how it works. There's a lot of processes involved. Um, how to set up factory. So we were in a rail arch about three years ago, which we still have um, in Battersea, which we now use as a sort of central distribution hub. Uh, and then moved to our 40,000 square foot factory, working out, working out how to set up a factory, what the workflows look like, how much electricity we needed, how much energy we needed, um, yeah, what the drainage looked like, having yeah. a plan for that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's absorbing as much information. So a lot of the time we get contractor in, um, said like the drainage contractor, knew nothing about drainage, uh, never laid a drain in my life. Yeah. Um, and then basically said, you know, talk to me if I'm a five-year-old, explain to me how it works, then do a load of research on what other people do. Um, and yeah, absorb as much information as possible. And then, yeah, try and learn as much about it as possible. So that's for sort of every sort of small section of the business. Yeah, there is, I think, I personally completely agree. I think learning on the on the job on the task getting the people who are better than you to tell you how to do it is probably the best way yeah yeah, 100% so I try to get experts in who know what they're talking about um so yeah like on the food hygiene we hired a consultant try to learn as much from her as possible um on the juicing machinery going to other factories seeing how they did it because I didn't know sort of what a commercial juice machine looked like originally when I started I had a Mm. small domestic one um then yeah the next machine we had we actually bought from Planet Organic um they used to make juice themselves in-house um and then sort of learning what the next step uh, from there was. Some some of the machinery we sort of um, taken from other industries, so uh, from the cider making industry, the wine making industry, and sort of adapted it to work for for cold press juice because mm-hmm. um, there, there are some machines which sort of aren't available um, commercially. Yeah, no, it is really an interesting journey, and like you're always yeah. learning, which I think is really really nice. And talk about the juice market as a whole. So obviously 
You started in 2016, and yeah. I'm not too sure when the other brands, which I'm going to mention in a minute, started. But how has the market changed? And with other players coming in, such as like press, you've got Moju. Like, have you welcomed the competition, or like, do you find that you've got big USPs in comparison to them? Yeah, so I think the market has changed quite a lot since 2016. So press started just before us. Moju started around the same time as us. Um, and then since then, there have been loads of sort of small players who've come and gone. Some some stayed, um, some haven't. Um, I think if you're looking at sort of the UK market as a whole, the market hasn't changed that much in terms uh, of when you compare it to the rest of Europe. So if you go to places like Holland, Spain... Uh, Poland, they have huge cold press juice offerings within their supermarkets. So uh, Holland's a really good example. Um, the Albert Hein um, supermarket chain there, which is a, the equivalent to our Tesco, is the biggest one there. Um, every single fresh produce section has a massive fridge full of cold press juice, um, HP smoothies, products, um, shots. Wow. Um, so they're really far ahead of us, probably like five, ten years ahead of us. Uh, same in America. Some of the supermarkets in America have HPP aisles where all the products in those aisles have been HPP'd and the consumer really understands what HPP is and how it's different to other um, shelf life uh, extension methods and same in Australia. Um, so I think the UK is still pretty far behind but I think it's catching up quite quickly. So we've seen over the last couple of years um, people getting what the product is and realising what the difference is and are willing to sort of spend a little bit more money on a higher quality product mm. that's better for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I bet... Um covid kind of had a bit of an effect on that especially as everyone was way more aware of their health what they were eating um yeah i can imagine that's kind of had a big effect on the juice market yeah so i think we covid was pretty bad for us initially because we are mainly sort of an out of home brands we supply lots of um cafes coffee shops restaurants hotels um so when covid hits about 80 percent of our clients shut on the day so like everyone's panicking and Mm. shut shop straight away um, so we quickly converted to sort of an e-commerce platform um, for about the first six to eight months. Um, but then coming out of COVID, we're now two, three times bigger than we were when we went into COVID. So I think people are really now thinking about what they're putting into their bodies, what they're eating, the mm. kind of um, yeah, the kind of brands they're shopping with. So I, th- I think that was sort of a reset in people's mind in terms of um, really thinking about what they're what they're buying. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think in my family, particularly, I think we have a juicer at home, and yeah. obviously you kind of get into all sorts of during your long hours at home so yeah. I think I was doing lots of juices and the whole family wanted, wanted one so yeah. and beforehand they definitely wouldn't be into it so I think yeah I can see how that would have definitely um increased the business and yeah, made it more, yeah more successful so we mentioned how um supermarket chains um in Holland and America obviously are a lot more advanced in the juice market do you think Daily Dose would ever look to do larger bottles for the families or like what's next for Daily Dose in terms of in terms of that? Yeah, so uh, we currently do orange juice and apple juice in large sizes. Uh, so litre uh, bottles, which we do in sort of deli shops, cafes. Mm-hmm. Um, we are looking at doing large bottle sizes for the other juices as well for something to take home to have in, in your fridge. Um, the issue with larger bottle sizes is going back to the HPP machine, which is relatively technical. The HPP machine is a chamber, and the number of bottles you can fit inside that chamber predicts or mm-hmm. determines the throughput of the machine. Um, so we're looking to install the largest HPP machine in the UK, which will essentially allow us to do larger bottle sizes. Um, so definitely something we're planning to do in the future um, for sort of yeah take home um, take home options. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Also, I wanted to ask, what is next for Daily Dose? I mean, you mentioned getting, being able to be completely self-sufficient in terms of the energy, but yep. what is next other than that? 
So we are currently going through an investment round, so raising money uh, to extend the factory. Uh, so it's currently the largest corporate juice factory in the UK. We want to have the largest HPP capacity in the UK um, and essentially get our juices into um, more places uh, f- sort of f- further outside of London. So m- we're still quite a London-centric brand. Most of our stocks are in London. So looking to the rest of the UK to try and um, expand, expand our um, number of stockists. Um, what else we've got? We've got some new flavours coming and some new MPD, which is quite exciting. So mm. um, looking at functional beverages, so looking at things like uh, B12, vitamin D, pre and probiotics, um, which is really cool. So we've mm. got a partner working with on that. Um, what else are we doing? Yeah, those are, those are the that things. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is funny in London. It's such a London bubble. Like yeah. one of my missions with Greedy Vegan was to try and get people outside of London to kind of get their hands on all these amazing products which yeah I mean I'm from Somerset my family are all in Somerset and I bring home all these different products and they're like wow it's amazing but people yeah it is good to try and get them because obviously the UK is a huge place but London is definitely London is definitely a little bubble where we're so we've got so much on our doorsteps um so yeah I can see how that is definitely one of your little missions to try and get more people drinking daily dose yeah 100% so a tradition on the podcast is that we always end with the same question. Yeah. So my question is, what would be your last meal? So starter, main course and dessert. It can be from anywhere, anyone's cooking. What would it be? <laughs> um, okay, so for starter, I would probably have uh, crab ravioli, something like that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, main course... Um, Either dim sum or tapas. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd probably go dim sum. Um, there's one called chung fung, which I'm a massive fan of. I don't yes, I've it. heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like sort of like rice rolls and they have different fillings. They're really cool. Um, and mm. then pudding, probably like a lemon posset, something like that. Oh, nice. Yeah. That yeah. sounds a good meal. I've ne- yeah. No one's ever said any of those. So okay, good. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and explaining no, all things Daily me. Dose. I mean, the juice market is really really interesting and you guys definitely or personally as a consumer you guys definitely stand up for me I love your different varieties your flavors the bottles really stand out so it's been really interesting hearing more about your journey and yeah more about what's to come so thank you so much thank you for having me cheers thank you guys so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed hearing the daily dose journey Recording this, I had the Daily Dose Black Lemonade, which is an activated water with lemon and charcoal, and it was so fresh and so delicious. So if this episode has got you really craving a Daily Dose, I don't blame you. Go and get your hands on one. Thanks again and see you next week.